So we have been starting on relationships goals today. And um, so I'm the first one to gonna hit it off. Um, what I do say in life, two things creates the most pain in our lives. One is relationships, two is money. So can I have an amen to that? <laughs> Because life is all about relationships. There are many kinds of relationships. Obviously, uh, when you're married, when you have family, you are a parent, uh, sisters, siblings, uh, friends, uh, workmates, colleagues. Uh, we are church family. We all related. We are. We all related. Um, nations. You know, they have, have, have uh, alliances and stuff like that. And obviously in relationships, there is an other layer. Some relationships are really good. Some are friendly, very kind. But there are some that are very toxic or very hard or difficult. Oh, there are so many words to it, how in a relationship it would be. But life is all about relationships. Uh, as I can gather, there we meet about 80,000 people in our lifetime. And if you are an extrovert, you obviously meet a few more. Uh, but I think the numbers will increase more and more because I think they have not incorporated uh, our life online. Uh, because, you know, you can have many friends on Facebook. <clears throat> I've got a few or on Instagram, or Twitter, or all of that, you know, there is another life of relationship that we did not have maybe 20 or 15 years ago, that's a whole new way of relating to people online. And not that long ago, when we were in COVID, uh, I did a training through the UK online, um, learning, counseling, and helping people online. Um, because uh, obviously people couldn't go to training, and so they had to find a way to, to, to train and help people. And so I did this 80 hours in COVID, learn how to help people online, uh, on phone or on Facebook or anything like that for people to reach out if they needed help. I didn't think it needed 80 hours, but man. Uh, anyway. So... But if we look at, at culture or society, <clears throat> how they do relationships and what they have to say about relationships, uh, <coughs> it's like a minefield. It's like a minefield. And so for us as believers, we cannot look to society. We cannot look at our culture because the standards are shifting all the time. It's just like sinking sand. It not, has not any kind of good foundation. And that's why we as believers, we go to the Word of God. Because God's words doesn't change. God's words is internal. God's words that can help us. It's, it's, it's amazing. So today we're going to look uh, from that perspective what God has to say about relationship. So life has to be, be shared. It is intended that we are related to other people. God created us as human beings like that, that we need other people, that we are relational people. God is a very relational God. You know, he relates really well to the Holy Spirit. He relates to the Son, Jesus, and he also makes room for all of us to have a personal relationship with him. He is very relational. You can know a lot about God, 
but things start to shift when you get a personal relationship with the Most High. I always say, my relationship with God is the highest relationship. It's the highest because it goes above everybody, every other relationship that I have. And obviously, we relate to other people, but we also need to learn to relate to ourselves. So I'm afraid this morning I can't talk about that, but I will do it maybe hopefully another time because the relationship that we have with ourselves is also very important. Thank you, Yalda. So God is um, very relationship, and it is in, the, in relationships that we grow and flourish. Also a lot of pain and heartache, but in a whole we grow because of being in relationship. So I call this message Live and Learn because we we living it always in relationship and we're also learning uh, about ourselves but also about other people. Um, my kids, um, you know, we've got five kids and we had lots of foster children at some stage and, you know, they, they make mistakes, aren't they? You know, it's, it's normal. They make mistakes. And so my lifeline was, well, you, you live and learn. If you are here on this earth, you will make mistakes. You may, you may have difficulty, but you learn from it. And when you, even, then you can live out your learning, and then you will learn something fresh. So today it's live and learn. So right in the beginning, we go right at the beginning for a relationship. God was creating the heavens and the earth, and it's just a beautiful story. He made all this cool stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm not going into that, but, you know, every time he said, oh, this is just so good, so, so good. And he was obviously quite pleased with himself. And, um, but then he said, let us. So that means, you know, the Holy Spirit and, and Jesus, the Son, and himself. So let us make man in our own image, like us. And so that what happened. We know the stories. Uh, Adam was not born. He was created. Uh, I don't know how old he would be, but um, I think he was able to look after himself. He didn't need in such a way. But anyway, so when Adam was told, you know, he lived in this beautiful garden with so many trees, so, so much to eat. Everything was just doing really well. It was in good season. All the fruit was just hanging, and it was just beautiful. But Adam was told right from the beginning that uh, not to eat from one tree. Um, do not eat from this tree, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because then you will die. So, you know, there are scores of, of trees of every kind. There's lots of food. It's not like he needed that tree. But God said, I don't want you to eat from that tree. And so... Obviously, Adam was quite a while by himself, eating and drinking and all of that. And then we find in Genesis 2, then we read that obviously God himself, Holy Spirit, Jesus, the whole works, uh, realized it was not really good for man to be alone. He needed a suitable helper, a helper. And so then what happened? Um, he needed the suit to have because we cannot do life on our own. We cannot live like an island. We need other people. We are made for relationships. 
En zo dan in Ecclesiastes 4, het zegt, twee zijn beter dan één. Because they have a good return for their work. That is just priceless, isn't it? You can, uh, even in marriage, but we're not talking about marriage. We can have friends, so you have colleagues. I mean, I, when I started a children's ministry, I had friends, and she played a guitar. I couldn't play a thing. But she was so good, and, and we started children's ministry together, and we just had so much fun. Because two is better than one. I couldn't do what she could. And obviously, I could some things that she couldn't. But together, we were just a great team. And we saw this many, many children come to the Lord. It was just a wonderful season. And it says, if either of them falls down, the other one can pick them up. That's the good part about when you have a helper. If you have a good friend or a good brother or sister or a husband or wife, it doesn't really matter, in what, or a colleague, when one is down, you know, it's like a seesaw, you know, one is down and the other one is still up. And so then we need to help each other to get up, even in church family. You know, it's okay to, to be down for whatever reason. But, you know, we are here to, always to be a helper, to, to help each other, to get up again, to encourage each other, to inspire each other, to give somebody a touch or say, how's it for you? You know, we can help each other in so many ways. So it was all perfect in the garden. You know, Adam must have been really, really, really happy to have somebody with him. And, uh, and they had everything that they needed. It was just beautiful. It was just perfect. But then we come to chapter 3 in Genesis, and it is just like it all falls to custard. It's just like craziness happens all of a sudden. And so um, there was a challenge. And so I read it to you. Now the serpent was more cunning than any animal of the field, which the Lord had made. And he said, the serpent, he said, has God really said that you are not allowed to eat from that tree in the garden. <laughs> she said, the woman said, hmm, yes. Uh, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which in the middle of the garden we are not allowed to eat. That was the tree that obviously that God told Adam not to eat from. Because if we eat from it, we will certainly die. So right at the beginning, God... Satan, or devil, or serpent, whoever you call it, challenged the word of God. Challenge it. Was it actually true? Is it right? And I would say, every battle that we face as believers is directly or indirectly over God's word. How God wants us to live, how God wants us to be, and it challenges us. So God said to be fruitful and increase and subdue and, you know, and all of that, fill the earth and all the good things. But he pointed out one tree in the middle of the garden, not, I couldn't say you couldn't go near it, but we're not allowed to eat from it. He drew a circle around it. And you know what? God would say, don't mess with that tree. Don't mess with it. Just leave the tree alone. You've got enough trees for yourself, but not that tree. And he drew a boundary around that tree. 
So what is the first thing the enemy does when he shows up? He challenged the boundary. God's boundary. He challenges it. And so, did he really say that? And you think, did he? Oh, oh, just check with Adam. No, she didn't. She didn't check with Adam. So a lot of challenges starts when we are challenged in boundaries for our life. And Satan is the master of it. He's just such a liar. He just thinks that he knows, but he is such a liar. And so if it really not lines up with the word of God, then it's a lie. But sometimes we just, we just listen to it. We all think, okay, oh, it sounds all right. It looks good, but it's not good. So we're wearing us out sometimes by doing things that we shouldn't be doing, by taking responsibility that is not ours, or not taking up a responsibility that we have in certain things, if it's in family or in marriage or whatever it is, or your work. We all have responsibilities. So in our final moments, when we are in our last days, you know, um, I don't think I need to, to put all my certificates and diplomas uh, on my bed when I'm dying. Or do I have to fire, put all the stuff that I really like, uh, that is really precious to me, I have to put it on my deathbed. When the time goes there, when I need to say goodbye, and you need to say goodbye, the people that you, the things or the people that you want with you is the people that you love, that mean a lot to you. You want to be with them. As we can have read on the news, that our queen, that her husband passed away, Prince Philip, and as I can gather from what was, has been said on the media, that she was with him in his last moments of life. And he didn't want to go to a hospital or anything like that. He wanted to be with his loved ones. We all do, because they mean so much to us. So if a relationship is all what our life is about, and if people are very important to us, do we make it our priority then? Because we want people to love us. We want to trust people. We want people to commit it. All these beautiful things and the relationships. I could talk about whole stuff about that. But do we make it our priority? Relationship with God. Relationship with our loved ones. Relationship with our friends. Because that in the end counts. So we go back to Genesis 3. God comes back to connect with them. And it says, in the call of the day, so maybe at the end of the day, it's a bit cooling down. But they had hidden themselves, Adam and Eve, among the trees. And so God said, where are you? Hello, where are you? They're playing hide and seek. I've heard you, said Adam, but, but I was afraid because I was naked. You reminded, you know, 
that God drew a boundary around that tree. And he asked the man a direct question. Have you eaten of that tree? And you know that it would be a simple answer, wouldn't it? It's either yes or a no, wouldn't it? But listen, what the answer was. Uh, he said, the woman, it was not Eve, but it was the woman now. The woman gave it to me, uh, the one that you gave to me. With other words, she made me do it. Mm. So God said to the woman, uh, what have you done? And the woman said, the serpent gave it to me. He made me do it. He deceived me, and I ate of that fruit. So what is happening here? So they crossed the boundary, that's for sure, that God wanted them never to, to cross over, never. That was not a plan. But they did, and he confronted them straight away. He did confront them. Because eating from that tree had huge consequences. And so they did not take the responsibility of what God had given them to not do that. And they override it and say, oh, well, I don't think they had any idea what it would mean, what the consequences would that be. And so it had the most dramatic outcome when they eat it from that tree. For themselves, but for all of us, humankind, then and now, it was a dramatic outcome because from that moment, there was a huge fall because sin came in the world. I didn't think they realized that that would be the consequences, but they felt it straight away. They felt it on themselves. They felt naked. They, they felt they had to hide because they had something, they were wrong or they had done something wrong. And everything changed from that moment. Everything. Creation changed. Every human being who was born after that changed because sin was just passed on from one generation, from one person to another person. And obviously the serpent or Satan, whatever you're going to call him, he thought, yay. No, it was not yay. You think it was yay. But God, in his grace, we know that he found a way because they were not able, they had no control to come back to God by themselves. They had no control. And so that's why God sends Jesus, his only son, to make a way for each and every one who believes in him to come back into relationship with Christ. So good. And we still do that today. So how does that affect our relationship and our lives? When we do not take responsibility, or we take responsibility that is not ours. And because boundary is a key of a lot of relationship craziness. I say it like that, craziness. Because people are, want to control, want to, uh, don't want to do, not take responsibility. And so then uh, relationships uh, 
I've seen so much craziness about that. So what does it mean to be? Is that a way for us to manage our lives better? You know, I just always say, so how do we learn then relationships? Where does that start then? Well, it starts right at the beginning. Do you know that the first thousand days of a wee person or a baby, the first thousand days are the most critical and the most important days where because a child learns about the people that are around him, uh, they learn to trust them, they learn to love them, they feel safe and all of that. They get attached to at least one significant person. If it only have one, that will set them up for success. And if you have more significant people in your life, that, that, is, a, that is so good for you or so good for our children, or so good for our grandchildren, to have that bonding, that love, that trust, that commitment. And so that's where we learn a lot of stuff in the first thousand days. But, and then we are concerned that we have, you know, we can have a really good outcome. I'm very aware we not all had such a great start in our first thousand days. Maybe your early days, even in the womb, because that's all count with it. It's not like when we start our first breath, but before we take in our first breath, when God conceived it, that's when the days start. You know, people feel rejection, or they're not wanted, or whatever it is. When you have trauma in your first thousand days, or you have losses, or you have violence, or abuse, or anything. If you, a lot of us have not had such a good start. And, you know, it will, will, society would say that you have a really hard way of making success or have a good outcome of your life. But God in His grace is able to heal us and to bring restoration. That's why we need a God that is bigger than ourselves. So those early years are foundational. You know, just, just think of it, even for yourself. But there is something that God desires, that we learn how to manage our lives ourselves. There comes a time when mom is not going to give you a bottle anymore, or is not going to change your nappies, or you start to walk, and you go to school. And, and so there is, they have more responsibility to do their lives. And we need to allow our children to be responsible for things. So Proverbs 16 says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and than he who rules his spirit, than he who captures city. Proverbs 25 verse 28 says, Like a city whose walls are broken is a man who lacks self-control. So how do we manage our life? For example, just go back to your mind. What have you been thinking about in the last 24 hours? What situation has held you captive at night? Or what person is so annoying to you that you can't... <laughs> I'll tell her next time. What are you trying to make happen? What are you trying to control? What are you trying to fix? What are you trying to rescue? No, I'm not talking about your own life, but always about other people because you know they need rescuing. You know, they need to be told. 
We need to learn at our situations and our relationships and engage how responsible we are for it. And it has to do with control, like a person or an event. Um, and you and me, we want to control the outcome. Tell me. I have learned the hard way. You know, um, when I was working with young people and they had, you know, lots of problems and, and all of that, and I would come home and I made it my problem. I was just so down and so overburdened because I couldn't, I wanted to fix it. I wanted to rescue all those young people. But a lot of them was beyond my control. But I made it my problem. I have learned the hard way for the many, many years because I thought I could fix them. Any fixes in here in the house? No? Okay, you're all good, Jane. So how do we walk out our responsibility? It's like stewardship. So first, there's direct control. Mostly our own lives. We have control of our lives. And so that means if you have direct control, you've got responsibility, you've got authority, and you've got power to do what you have control over. Maybe you have an assigned project that you are totally responsible for. So then you've got direct control. In no way I have direct control over this church. I've been there. I had that church. Pastor Enns is the boss. Yes? So he has got the full control. I haven't. Do you think I sometimes think I waste a head? Yes. Yeah, to be honest. But just be honest. Yes. But I'm not have the authority. I don't... It's not my responsibility. And so I don't have the power to do that. So you need to learn to let it go and let Pastor Ange do what he's been given to do to take responsibility and to lead this church. Maybe you had some ideas about this church. We all have ideas. So then I, when we have control, we can produce the outcome. But when we have indirect control, so we got some control, but not total control. I mean, I've got some indirect control because I can influence Pastor Ains and Puro. Say, have you thought about that? Or what about that? And we have that with our children as well. When you have grown up children, uh, you have no control. And you need to let it go because they are responsible for their own stuff. But if we can indirect, we can, you know, nudge them along and, and say, what about this? Or what about that? Or have you thought about that? But I, we don't have direct control. We nudge them. We influence them to a better outcome, I say. And we do it with our friends and we do it in church. We help people. We don't have control over them, but we help them to nudge them to have an influence. And then there are times there is no control. It's beyond my control. You, can, you cannot do it. And that is just really hard when we've got no control over anything and you feel so responsible and you feel you, sh you should have some control, but you haven't over people. And so that's my 
when it's beyond your control, you need to go to somebody bigger than you. And for us as believers, it is our God. Because he is a God who goes beyond and above everything about our lives and our situations and our experiences. And so we need to trust him. Oh, that's such a big thing. Because we wished we just could do something, say something. But we can't. And then it's like we need to go to him. You know, run to the Father and trust him. Tell him what is so upsetting, what is so worrying, what keeps you at night awake, what concerns you. To br- and you have no control. You need to go to the Father, run to the Father, and because he knows. So no control. Uh, for example, health. You think, well, no, if I eat healthy and, you know, not too many sweets and takeaways and all of that, you know, I won't be able to control vitamins and all of that. Some people are really into vitamins. It's all good. But I had a young friend just recently. You know, she's a nurse and she's got quite a few kids, but, you know, she's a, the healthy one. She, she exercises and sports and eats well and all of that, all the rest. She's such a good girl, really. But she had a mammogram not that long ago. And in that mammogram, showed up that she had an aggressive cancer. Did she have control over that? No. How hard would it be because she had lived a healthy life and then something like that pops up? It's beyond your control. So what happens now? She obviously gets all the treatment and all of that. But she's got an army of friends and family and churches praying, going to one who is above and beyond to make a way to make her well again so she can see all her children grow up for a long time. So if you have not, if you've got direct control, you are responsible. If you have indirect control, you might nudge them and influence them. If you have no control, so hard. Cheap is it so hard. <sighs> Sometimes I need to take a deep breath. Or yell to me, come home from work. And we talk about situations and stuff. And, and we know we have no control. And we talk about it because it concerns us deeply. But we know we need to run to the Father. And so that we do, we pray, God, you have it. And we, and we have learned to let it go. So you need to recognize where you have direct control or where not. It says self-control is one of the greatest display of strength. A person who cannot take responsibility for their behavior is like a city without walls. And they are prone to defeat. But when a person lacks self-control, they abdicate their power and become a victim to their own circumstances and environment and often cast blame onto others. That's such a big thing. You know, she did it. It was her fault. Blah, blah, blah. It's endless. So I bought my hula hoop. You probably think, when is that hula hoop coming? You want a demonstration? I had a... Was in a competition for hula hoop? No. (laughs) 
No. <laughs> you will not get a demonstration. You will get an illustration today by the whole of hope because, because I believe this is such an important um, issue in relationships of, of control or taking control. That's why I bought the hula hoop so that you will remember it more easily. So what is a hula hoop? So this is the hula hoop. I'm in the hula hoop and it's my space. Um, you know, sometimes people come a bit close to you. Have you, have you some find that? And you're a bit close to you, you think, oh, I take a step back. Thank you. Because we all like a bit of space around it. But it also means this is my space. This is all about me. This is my thoughts, my thinking, my behavior, my desires, my relationship with God, and everything. What is seated here in this hula hoop, I am responsible. I have direct control about this. That is the, maybe a few other exceptions, but this is the most important thing of your life that you have control over. You are in control. And if you are married, then, you know, you've got another hula hoop. We both have a hula hoop because you all have one. <laughs> oh, yes, you had to say it, didn't you? <laughs> you can have this one, darling. Anyway, if you are married, that means you both have your own hula hoop of your own boundary because that's what it is. It is your own boundary. But around your marriage is also a big hula hoop because there are things in marriage that is shared and that is valued and there are other boundaries when you are in a marriage relationship. So this is the hula hoop. You are responsible for everything that's in here. And that is a lot. And we need to learn how to manage our own stuff. We do. It's healthy. You can't blame somebody else for making you angry or doing this stuff to you or blah, blah. I mean, so many people that say, oh, he makes me so angry. Oh, he makes me say this and he makes me that. We have to own our own feelings, our own emotions. In other words, I am sad or I am angry because of what you did or didn't do. But we have to take responsibility for our own feelings, our own thinking. The hula hoop. So our own fears, dreams, whatever. You know, sometimes I get a dream and, and another dream and dream every night and can't let it go. And then as soon as I tell Yelta about my dream, and he said, well, and then I ask him, what should I do? And he said, well, it's your dream. You do. You are responsible for what God has given you or what has God revealed to you. You are responsible. So we need to be good stewards what God adds to us. 
So what happens when we don't have healthy boundaries? Or we don't have this boundary around our lives? Well, we make stupid choices. We make other people responsible for our emotions. Um, we project our anger. We project guilt. Um, all kinds of that nasty stuff we project to other people and think that makes, them, makes us feel better. We have unreasonable blame and guilt and all this. It's just not healthy when we're not owning our stuff and want to control other people or not respecting somebody else's boundary. We need to respect the boundary that other people have about life. It's not always easy. So sometimes we become too controlling. We're telling people what to do and how to do it, and my way is the best way. But it's not necessarily true. There are many ways to peel a potato. It doesn't have to be this way. It can be just different ways. So when we have no control, You know, we, f we feel, we'll feel totally, totally lost when we have no control at all about situations and about people. And then we have to start turning and running to the first and the highest God there is, the highest relationship there is. And that is our God. He is our helper. And even in this, this space, I'm not alone in this space. Because God is with me. He is my helper. He helps me. Tell me. He helps me every day. I don't know how often I say during the day, God help me. He said, yep, yeah, I'm here. God, please help me. Yeah, I'm here. I'm, I'm not leaving you. No, I'm here. Just tell me. You are not alone in your space. God is with you. And so go to God. Run to him, run to the Father, and let him know what's going on. Go to him first, and mostly, I would say, go mostly to, uh, to God. You know, as a believer, we have to settle our relationship with each other. You know, it would go a lot smoother if we would first talk to our Father about it. What is your take on it? I love this verse. It's in Matthew 11. It says, come to me. Get away with me, and you recover your life. And I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Watch how I do it. And learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. You keep my company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. So good. You know, when we are heavy, laden, and burdened with people or issues or situations, and we keep want to keep that on ourselves, and we think we can fix it, or we can rescue it, or we can control it, or we can do this and that, you know, you have a, you have a yoke on you that doesn't fit you. But God's yoke is easy, and God's yoke is light. But when you take on all this other stuff, you become heavy 
laden, burdened. And God wants to lift it. <laughs>